Are you ready to talk sports with one of the leading sports journalists of today? Welcome to All Around Sports with John Inglesby. John's years of experience as a journalist has allowed him to net exclusive interviews with top players, former players, commissioners, and owners. John and his guests are ready to give you the straight word when it comes to sports. Now, let's talk all around sports. Here is your host, John Inglesby. Voice America listeners, welcome to my 511th ever show of all around sports. Reached Monday at noon Eastern Time, we broadcast live from Florida to go all around the world of sports for one hour to discuss what happened last week and what's ahead for this week. And today we're going to start the show a little differently because we have uh, our usual guest, but he's in a special place. That's A.P. Stedham, multimedia personality who covers SEC football and basketball and many other sports as well. And A.P. is in Houston for the Final Four. And A.P., how you doing today? Hey, John, I'm doing very well. Thank you for having me on the show. Oh, well, thank you. It's our pleasure, to say the least. Uh, so you're in Houston for the Final Four, as I just said. And I have to jump right into it, AP. What was it like to be in the re- the arena for that spectacular buzzer beater uh, for yeah, San Diego? John, it was very loud. Yeah, the NRG Stadium, uh, a, a, a crowd of 72 or 3,000, and... Wow. All four teams were represented with their fans. And they had the bands and the cheerleaders and the dance team. So it was the usual Final Four pageantry. But I think there was quite the enthusiasm for the newcomers, Miami, Florida Atlantic University, and San Diego State. It's wonderful that three new names are in there. And, of course, what I'll call a blue blood, being from uh, New England, <laughs> that, uh, that would be, of course, UConn, who... If I got it right, is uh, one. Uh, they've been to the f- championship game four times. They won them all. They're going for number five tonight. Uh, number five, one for the thumb, right? One for the thumb. It's very impressive. If they win tonight, it would be the third coach. Three with Jim Calhoun. One, if I, I believe, with Kevin Ollie, and now tonight potentially right. with uh, with Danny Hurley. Um, it's an amazing story. Right. And all of us in New England are just loving it, to put it mildly. Yeah. Yeah, that distinguishes the program, John, because some uh, schools, it's the coach, and it's one single coach through history who's able to win a championship. This will be the third coach for the University of Connecticut. So that distinguishes them as a program, not just a coach. Correct. That's rare air, to say the least. Uh... It's amazing. But before we jump into UConn through Boar, AP, what was it like to be in the stadium for that buzzer beater the other night? I mean, it was the essence of a buzzy buzzer beater in that they were losing by one point. He misses it, they lose. He makes it, they win. Of course he made it for uh, for San Diego State. And, uh, but, but that was a genuine moment, to put it mildly. Yeah, just, uh, just a genuine moment in the history, the glorious history of the NCAA tournament for that to happen. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was a, fa- yeah, it was a fabulous moment for the young man, and he, he almost stepped out of bounds. We had that discussion yesterday during the interviews on Sunday, right. and he was right. He was very close to the edge, but he managed to make a, manu- uh, uh, a move that he's comfortable with uh, on that part of the court, and he made the shot. It's legendary, and he'll go down forever in Aztec uh, basketball history. 
I mean, I think they were losing the entire second half. Right. They were at an early lead in the ball game, but that was phenomenal. They made that shot in Florida Atlantic. They, they just shot about, I think, with 20% less. Then uh, they shut them down in the second half. That defense clamped down on their shooters and made it very difficult. And what was really impressive about San Diego State University is the way their defense, they just played so hard, and that's how they made the comeback. They just had so many stops and the uh, loose balls. They got almost every one, and they had some steals, pressuring the guards. So it was it was a different kind of comeback. And then they got hot with the three. You know, uh, Bradley, the left-hander, a real strong guard. He, he made quite a few three-pointers. He was hot from the beginning of the game. You could see the confidence was brimming as, as that game started. And I, I said to somebody that it's going to be his day. I think he's going to have a, a good shooting uh, day. He did. He sure did, and the whole team did. Uh, Charles Barkley on the post-game show was hitting pretty hard. How, to to your point of rebounding, they were literally getting rebounds when uh, Florida Atlantic was shooting foul shots, which is uh, you know unheard of because Florida Atlantic has the edge closer to the basket with their non-shooters. Yeah, they they were a strong rebounding team, and. They're really committed to the rebounding and the defense. And, you know, offensively, I, I think offensively, John, I think they scored a 75 points range as well. So that, that's a good combination for the strong defense and they, they have enough offense to win ball games. But I love their coach, Dutcher. Uh, you know, his dad was coach in Minnesota years ago. And, of course, he's part of that Fab Five in Michigan. He came over to right. that. Uh, he came over to that. He came over to that program. You know, he had recruited a lot of those five, five players of Michigan. And right, then, amazing. Uh, he, he went over there with Steve Fisher, and Steve Fisher's at the game, obviously. And right. so he carried on. Uh, he he kind of laid a great foundation recently with the program. And now uh, he, he's reaping those benefits, and here he is in the championship game. He's legendary. Yeah. So he's a legendary coach. So he has arrived. I just, I'd love to talk to him so forthright and for the dancers and interesting. So uh, I really have enjoyed covering San Diego. I say that. Yeah, he's very, very likable. He's, you know, and he's just a great interview, like you said, because, you know, he's talking about what everybody wants to talk about, which is what it's like to be the Cinderella story that they are. Given his career, it's even better. And he's just, uh, openly talking about it. Not all coaches do that. I mean, he's truly enjoying the moment like fans do. And uh, it's yeah. really cool to see. It's it's different. It's unique. Yes, it is. Yeah, so uh, and the San Diego State people are here in force. And uh, they're, they're good fans. I like the fans. Yes, yes. There was a great shot. I'm guessing you've seen it by now of Petco Park where the Padres play at the moment of that final buzzer-beating shot just going crazy in the baseball uh-huh. stadium. It was awesome during a game, of course. And that was cool. And, uh, and you know, the coach, back to the coach, you know, he told his players if they got the rebound, uh, they were not going to call a timeout. They were going for it. They had a play called. Yes. And it yes. was the young man's, uh, you know, the shot maker who clearly had the ball in his hands. I mean, there was no question he was shooting right. it unless someone would have come – super wide open 
but uh, he controlled right. the ball and he, you know, made his mark in history forever. No doubt about it. It was really something I yeah. was in a Florida yeah, establishment. Um, Go ahead. Excuse me. I asked him about that uh, situation, John, and he just replied that he kind of feels the game, and that's how he makes his decision. And uh, so that was interesting to hear him say he didn't have a specific philosophy about uh, about that incident, you know, what to do. Right. Uh, some coaches do, some coaches thing. don't. But that was his that was his philosophy to just have an instinct for the the, yep. the play that he he wanted to call, and he just said, "I'd rather let my team uh, get a shot when the defense is." Uh, Kind of, they're, they're trying to make their way down the court. Yeah, in transition. A lot of, you know, it's fast and furious, and uh, you know, he, he made the right call. He sure did. He made the right call. <laughs> you know? he sure did. Um, he, he he banked on his player, and he, and he took it to it. You know, right, and he was rewarded for it. Yeah. So I, I think it's a, it's just a fabulous story, fabulous ending, and then we get yeah. to the next game, AP, and. UConn, you yourself have lived in Connecticut, uh, and I have lived in the Boston area for decades. I've covered UConn men and women in the postseason. We get it. I've covered both teams in the, uh, the, you know, the program in general, basketball, uh, you Mm -hmm. know, Vegan Sun Arena at various tournaments and beyond. AP, they're just right now. This team looks like an absolute juggernaut. They've won every game uh, yes. by double digits, and uh, and they're just putting sure on have. a show. Yeah, they sure have. They they're, they're putting yeah. on a show. Yeah. yeah, John. You know they have the versatility of, of being able to start inside and then go to the outside or vice versa. Whatever the defensive has defense has set that day. So. It, yeah, they just have the most talent. They can score. They have many shooters, multiple shooters, multiple big people down low who can score. They have defenders. They're long. They're athletic. They just cause a lot of problems for people. So, um, you know, they, they're just a very good basketball team, the way the, the, the uh, roster is constituted. Correct, and just incredible to believe they weren't even ranked in yeah. preseason polls. Uh, they were whatever number four or five seed, and uh, right, you know, four, coming I guess it was four, number four. four. Yeah, and San Diego State was number five, five seed, but five, uh, right? Yeah, they're five. FAU was a nine. Yep. And uh, Miami. Miami was a. I think a ten, maybe. Was that a four yeah. or five, right? Four or five. Oh yeah, five, yeah. Right? So it's. No one, two, five, or three right? is in there. Yeah, and one thing's for sure. Mm-hmm. No one, two, or three seeds are still playing, nor were they in the final mm-hmm. four in any way. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. Uh, yeah. But, yeah, so they come in. Again, UConn come into the tournament, uh, you know, uh, as the four. And uh, so, you know, regarded, but not highly regarded, not favored to get to the final four, put it that way. And uh, here they are. Yes. Absolute juggernaut as we just discuss, discussed uh but you know San Diego State they you know they're a mature team and they're deep on their bench and you know yes, they, they they can just simply 
keep coming at them. So I guess I, it would be a monumental upset if they could pull it off. But I, I think they're going to hang in there given their age. <laughs> you know, they, they're, their guys so. have been yeah. around for a while. These are not a bunch of freshmen yeah. uh, by no, any they're means. very mature, upper class, right. So they're, yes. not, they're not caving to any lead, and they're going to continue to play hard defensively. And, and we saw that Connecticut can make some turnovers. Yep. So yep. They, have, they live in hopes of, of uh, trying to have some of those on uh, – have, have some of those tonight. Have some of those tonight, yeah. Yeah, yeah, they've shown UConn has, for all their in look of invincibility, they have, you know, allowed teams to make some mini runs after they run up their lead, and then they always seem to come back and reestablish a, a solid lead and kind of bring it home from there. Um, but, you know, if there's anything I think San Diego State's looking at, it's, it's that, that, you know, they can allow some runs once they get those leads that they keep on getting in these games. So uh, I'm sure they're, San Diego State's hoping that they can, you know, make a run at the right time um, if they're behind. Right. So right. it's going to be uh, something special. AP, I got to ask, how are your seats? Where, where are you sitting at in, uh, in the football stadium? Yeah, John, we're right behind the basket, a couple rows. Wow. And, uh, it's, I, I like sitting there. I, I sat there uh, before. I really enjoy my sight. I mean, sometimes the students stand up, but we have, right. I have a small TV right in front of me, so I can nice. watch it. Um, and they have the big screen, so I like my seat and my location, so it's fine with me. You're close, bottom line. Yeah, pretty close, yeah. Close enough, close. and I, I can't make a hook shot from there or anything like that, but <laughs> we're, I may make a half-court shot or something, possibly, yeah. but... Uh, yeah, that's close enough. I would take that, given people in the uh, upper decks. Yeah. But uh, and lastly, right. AP, before we let you go, I'm sure I know you're having a super busy day, to put it mildly. But how is the city of Houston? Is it on fire? Are they loving this Final Four? Say that one more time, John. How is the city of Houston? Is it on fire with the Final Four? Yeah, it, it's good, John. It's good, John. Good. Yeah, it's very good. Good host city, then. Yeah, good host city, John. Yeah, I've enjoyed it. Spread out, but I'll live with it. I went to the Patriots' second Super Bowl victory against the Carolina Panthers in Houston, so I remember it well. And uh, it's a great city. So I'm going to let you go. I know how busy you are, but I can't thank you enough for calling in. It's a great way to start the show. And enjoy tonight. We'll all be thinking of you. Oh, yeah. Okay, John. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Thank you, AP, and uh, appreciate you calling in. And for all your listeners, we'll get to the regular status of the show, which is my uh, highlights, lowlights, bizarre news items from this past week. And uh, we'll do that after this break. So don't go anywhere. Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. 
Planning for college? Tune in to Getting In, a college coach conversation for tips, techniques, and insider perspectives. Hosted by Elizabeth Heaton, a former admissions officer at the University of Pennsylvania and featuring her fellow admissions and college finance experts from Bright Horizons College Coach. The show shares what colleges are really looking for and how to highlight your hard-won achievements for the best chance at success. New episodes air every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Do you know that over 70% of Americans with severe disabilities are unemployed? Are you one of the 2.5 million Americans with epilepsy? If you are or know someone struggling with these issues, tune in to Disability Matters with Joyce Bender. On the show, Joyce will discuss these issues as well as others. She will have on nationally known guests that will offer helpful insight on disability matters and let you, the listener, call in with your questions and concerns. So if you struggle with a disability or know someone who does, listen to Disability Matters with Joyce Bender. Heard every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific time here on voiceamerica.com as humans we suffer when we believe we are not good enough we are taught we must be better look better try harder and achieve more we cope with the stress and disappointment of life in ways that make us feel worse and keep us stuck in a cycle of unworthiness we don't have to live this way you don't have to live this way Kirsten and her guests will share how self-acceptance and unconditional self-love can help you break this cycle and find freedom. Listen to Giraffe Tango Octopus, Freedom for Humans, with Kirsten Johansson, Wednesdays at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Variety Channel. Tune in to The Patricia Raskin Show on VoiceAmerica.com every Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time. This is the program that helps you turn obstacles into opportunities, challenges into solutions, and find answers to tough questions with the award-winning powerhouse voice of radio, Patricia Raskin. So tune in and call in to The Patricia Raskin Show, Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time, right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. listening to all around sports with your host john inglesby become a part of today's show by calling 1-866-472-5788 that's 1-866-472-5788 or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net now back to the show voice america listeners Welcome back to segment two of All Around Sports, and I am your host, John Inglesby. To join the show, call in number is 1-866-472-5788, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net, which goes to me through my website at www.iirsportsoneword.com. Well, we are lucky enough to have A.P. Stedham live from the Final Four in Houston for the first segment of the show. And he gave great insight and perspective. As always, he was at the two games Saturday night. He will be at the game tonight as UConn takes on San Diego State. So AP had a great report, and we're all better off for it. So now I'll jump into what is typically my first segment of the show, which is my highlights, lowlights, and bizarre news items from this past week. And my highlight of the week is the amazing game by Iowa's Caitlin Clark on Friday night to knock off unbeaten 
South Carolina, who come in with a gaudy 36-0 record. Amazing. And bottom line, I've been thinking it for a while. As I've watched Caitlin Clark numerous times this season, she's special. So special that I'm going to do something I don't do often, but she reminds me of Larry Bird. Uh, I've spent decades in Boston. I, I literally moved, arrived in Boston at the same time Larry Bird did and uh, had the pleasure of witnessing his whole career in the old garden. Uh, but Caitlin Clark reminds me of Larry Bird uh, with her shooting and, very importantly, her passing. Uh, but most importantly, with her spectacular ability to hit the biggest shots at the biggest moments. Of course, they lost yesterday to LSU, but she broke the all-time scoring record. Very appropriate given her career and her especially this past year where she has been must-see TV. Um, and, you know, she put together, you know, two back-to-back 40-plus point games uh, in the tournament last Friday night and the previous game before that, where she had a 40-point triple-double. I believe it may have been the first time in uh, <clears throat> women's basketball history, if not all the history. And uh, so, again, she's just special. She, you know, the way she can hit the three... Uh, the passing to the teammates, uh, her ball handling. She went behind the back yesterday uh, at one point. And what she did on Friday night was, you know, the crowning achievement of her career. Again, South Carolina was not only undefeated. They were last year's national champion. They looked like uh, they were simply unbeatable. And, uh, and she beat them. And it was... Money shots, I think at one point she had scored pretty much all of her team's points uh, in the fourth quarter, uh, in the first, you know, half or more of the fourth quarter. That's in and of itself amazing. That tells you all you need to know right there. She's money. And uh, so I I just thought Friday night's game was one of the great – games ever i've covered a lot of women's basketball i've covered the yukon women at the height of their powers uh brianna stewart uh postseason games regular season games uh and in addition i've covered the connecticut sun uh who play at uh, wmba connecticut sun i should say who play at the mohegan sun arena where many of the games for the Yukon women and men have occurred that I covered. So I've been following uh, women's basketball for a long, long time and uh, covering it frequently. And uh, to see it reach the pinnacle, it it did this weekend, uh, starting with Friday night, was just remarkable to me. Um, You know, it felt like it had arrived, record breaking ratings. I think at one point I saw where a woman's final four ticket was going more for more money than the men's, uh, on the secondary market. Um, you know, I think it's just a watershed weekend for, 
women's basketball and certainly women's college basketball, to put it mildly. So it was just uh, terrific, terrific to watch, just great theater, uh, as was the whole tournament. It wasn't just about Friday night. Um, South Carolina was in their own way. Must see TV. Leah Boston is their star. Um, she announced uh, over the weekend after the game, after the loss, uh, that she had uh, she was going uh, to enter the WNBA draft. Uh, and I want to give credit to both her, her teammates, and their coach Don Staley, who were just had to be in a state of shock after th- after 36 and 0 when you lose in in, in the final four uh you're in a bit of a state of shock and uh in my mind and they handled it just so well so classy and uh so kudos to everyone associated with South Carolina basketball again let's not forget they were the defending national championships they won it all last year many of the players you saw on the floor on Friday night were our champions in their own right. But Iowa, again, uh, was able to achieve what not many, most, thought was not achievable. Uh, But they came up big. They weren't intimidated. Uh, They were going after it right from the get-go. There was no fear. Uh, And... It was really uh, special stuff to watch. I also enjoyed, uh, you know, just reminiscing about the 2007 Patriots who also lost in a similar fashion. They, of course, lost the Super Bowl to the Giants. Uh, I've been a longtime season ticket holder, so I was front and center for that ride in 2007. I'll never forget it. And... uh, And I wasn't at the Super Bowl in Phoenix, thank goodness. And uh, when they shockingly lost to the Giants after being uh, 18-0. and uh, 19-0 never happened. And uh, so I, I felt like I had a, a sense of what the South Carolina fans must be feeling uh, after that. But good turnouts from all the fan bases, just like AP Stedham in our first segment, who's at the Final Four, said about uh, the contingents of fans at the Final Four in Houston, uh, Miami, FAU, and San Diego State. Uh, not expected to be in the Final Four. I think that's a safe statement. And uh, But their fans have really turned out, as you would expect they would. Um, so... Just a tremendous game on Friday night by Caitlin Clark as she led Iowa to a massive upset of South Carolina. But that leads into my low light of the week, which is unfortunately, very unfortunately, the officiating in yesterday's national championship game, Iowa versus LSU. And I just say that I'm not one to typically focus on officiating, but it just... this watershed game for women's college basketball, they, I felt the way they were calling fouls so close, 37 fouls on both teams 
it just denied all of us the opportunity to see the stars specifically for the full game, uh, specifically Caitlin Clark and, and Angel Reese of LSU, you know, just do their thing. I mean, that's what we all tuned in for. I'm sure it was a record number of spect of, of viewers. I don't even have to look it up to know that. Um, and to have that opportunity just taken away by simply calling everything so tight, so close. Everybody's talking about it, uh, you know, and this is not to take anything away from LSU. They played fantastic yesterday. They, again, uh, you know, <laughs> they lost a, a lot of their starting players and their bench come in and did a spectacular job. But, you know, again, to see Caitlin Clark and Angel Reese sitting on the bench in the first half was just jarring. Like I frankly couldn't even believe what I was seeing that somehow they had fouls in the end. You, you know, I think Caitlin Clark entered the fourth quarter with four fouls, um, including one being a technical uh, there was a call against Reese, I think her second foul in the first half that was just mind boggling that it was called a foul. And, you know, I think two, two of the Iowa bigs or two starting bigs were, had two quick fouls and they were on the bench early in the game. Just again, not what anybody wanted to see. Everybody wanted to see both teams full strength going at it. Just the way we saw on Friday night. Friday night, South Carolina, Iowa, fouls were not an issue. In any, it never crossed anybody's mind, including mine, period. Uh, they let them play, and, and it delivered to be one of the great games in women's college basketball history, uh, to say the least. So, again, not, not to in any way, shape, or form take away from LSU, but it, it's just a subject that can't be ignored. It just... Brings up the old adage, you know, um, people show up uh, to see the players <laughs> only, not the refs, or not to be talking about it. The fact is the topic uh, is all you need to know, and it's the last thing anybody wants to know or talk about. That's for sure. But again, LSU scored 102 points. Need I say more? It's a women's championship record. Uh Kim Mulkey, it's her fourth national championship. She's from Louisiana. She won three natties in at Baylor, goes to LSU, and wins in her first season. Uh, that's just remarkable. Um, and, you know, what, uh, what the LSU bench did was incredible. Um, Jasmine Carson had 22 points. She was unconscious shooting mostly from three, including a bank shot, obviously from three at the end of the first half. She scored 21 of her 22 in the first half. Uh, and she hadn't even scored in her previous three games. Uh, as reported by, you know, CBS Sports uh, in their article covering the game uh, today, specifically Zach Perellis does a great job. And, uh, and then... In the second half, they were helped out when Alexis Morris had 21 points, 19 of them in the second half. So, uh, and this is all 
very much related to the fact that uh, Angel Reese had foul trouble, like Caitlin Clark had foul and so many other foul trouble and, and others as well. Um, <clears throat> but uh, the shooting by Jasmine Carson was just, it was spectacular. It was Steph Curry-like from three. Most of, most of them were, all, were, were from three. So it was really, really impressive. Um, and again, you have to just tip your cat to Kim Mulkey. I mean, for her to go down there to Baton Rouge uh, and win it, you know, in her first year back, I guess she's the first women's coach ever to win a title at two schools. And uh, for her, again, to win uh, in their first year is just so impressive. Uh, to put it mildly, and uh, and of course, at the end of the game, a lot of chatter today about a Joe Reese uh, taunting uh, Caitlin Clark, showing the ring finger, that type of thing. And I guess she covered her face as Caitlin Clark uh, had done in a previous game in covering her own face, uh, and uh, Angel Reese. I uh, did that yesterday, and uh, so, y you know, there was uh, just, uh, y you know, a lot of emotion, as you would expect, and, uh, and y you know, a lot of fire on by both teams, but again, LSU is national champion, and uh, it was just... Uh, negatively impacted by the way the refs called the game. But, uh, again, LSU played a fabulous game, and uh, they seemed, honestly, destined to win. They were just uh, on fire. So now, let's take our break. Still have some more things to get to on the other side, including my bizarre story of the week, uh, which I didn't even have a chance to get to, talking about the women's Final Four. And we'll get to all that on the other side. Voice America is on your favorite smart speaker. If you have Alexa or Google Home, go ahead and give us a try. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast on TuneIn. Today, our 40s sit firmly in midlife. We are starting to feel our place and have many productive years ahead. But now is the best time to plan for our future life. Listen for 45 Forward with host Ron Roel. From retirement to health and technology to caring for our parents, no topic is off the table. We don't have a roadmap to our actual future, but we can start to plan more effectively. Tune into 45 Forward, Mondays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific Time, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Psych Up Live with host Dr. Suzanne Phillips offers a psychological perspective on coping with common and current life issues. This show addresses topics as varied as marital stress, insomnia, depression, raising teens, campus violence, and building self-resilience. Listen in as Dr. Phillips and her guest experts share the latest in books, findings, and information that will inform and enhance your life journey. Psych Up Live is heard every Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on The Voice of America Variety Channel. 
African safaris, spring gobblers, handgun hunting, and NASCAR is what's on tap for this week on The Revolution. Jim and Trav will kick things off with outdoorsman extraordinaire Wade Middleton. Then they'll put the pedal to the metal with NASCAR's own Jeb Burton and top things off with the Kansas Catman Cat Daddy. The Revolution is presented by Outdoor Channel, Sportsman Channel, World Fishing Network, and My Outdoor TV. Saturdays at 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern on the Voice America Variety Channel. Tune in every Friday to get your weekend kickoff early. Join the legendary G. Keith Alexander for What's Hot Harlem America. The flagship show of the new Harlem America Digital Network has something for everyone. From the latest in entertainment to empowerment, health and wellness, and more, we'll bring you a variety of fresh viewpoints, voices, and ideas. What's Hot Harlem America with G. Keith Alexander can be heard every Friday at 1 p.m. in New York and 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to the third and final segment of All Around Sports. And I am your host, John Inglesby, and let's start with my pick of the week for appointment viewing, which is, of course, tonight's national championship game, UConn versus San Diego State. Uh, Jim Nance will be calling it, of course, on CBS Sports, and then as he is pretty much every year, he is off to the Masters tomorrow, tonight, tomorrow, whatever, he'll be there, and, uh, and I myself am off to the Masters uh, to attend the Wednesday practice round, as well as, uh, the Gulf Writers Association of America, of which I'm a member, having their annual meeting in the media center at Augusta, along with the, uh, and after in the morning. And then after that, uh, spending the day in the course for the par three tournament, which is awesome. And then the GWAA awards dinner that night, uh, in 2019, Tiger Woods actually attended that dinner, uh, and Tiger Woods is back at Augusta along with Jim Nance and all the other people you want to see at Augusta, golfers and non-golfers. Uh, there's no week quite like it. Uh, it is indeed a tradition unlike any other. Uh, I'm so excited. It'll be my fourth time. Uh, at the Masters, and it certainly never gets old, and I'm so excited and fortunate to be going up there and uh, and simply can't wait. Uh, as I've always said about the Masters, when you walk into Augusta National, uh, you're walking along, you go from the parking lot, you enter the gates, you're walking, 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 and suddenly you get to a point where the course is laid out right in front of you. And for me, I've always said it's like, go like reminds me of the wizard of Oz movie when it goes from black and white to color. Uh, it's just a stop you dead in your tracks moment. It has for, been for me on my three previous visits. 
Uh, and I'm certainly expecting it will be the exact same way on Wednesday. The weather's looking beautiful, 80s, sun and clouds. It just looks like uh, a spectacular day up in Augusta. So, again, very, very much looking forward to it. Uh, Rory McIlroy, John Rahm, of course, among the favorites, Jordan Spieth. Uh, for me, and, and Tiger's going to be there, need I say more. For me, you know, Rory McIlroy seeking the Grand Slam is the top storyline for me personally. Oh, oh and by, before I forget, Scotty Scheffler, who's uh, won last year, and he's won this year, not the Masters, but other tournaments, uh, and won other tournaments last year. Uh he is the man to beat. But the person I think that a, a lot of people are going to be watching, certainly I am, is Rory, trying to win that Grand Slam. We all remember uh, when he led the Masters, went to the 10th t- tee on Sunday, probably going back about 10 years now, hard to believe, and literally hit a house with his 10th tee shot, 10th uh, hole tee shot, and uh, pretty much unraveled from there. And he's been chasing it ever since. And uh, and uh, I have a bit of a feeling he is, uh, you know, he's on a quest and has been for years uh, to get that moment back and, and win it. And we'll see if he can do it. I, I just think he's going to be, uh, he's really a man on a mission for this one. The talent, he's obviously tremendous uh, all-timer. And I just think uh, uh, maybe this is going to be the year. We shall see. It hasn't turned out that way. Uh, and we, I know we kind of say that a lot of years. Uh, we always have our eye on him. Uh, we shall see. And certainly there will be all eyes on him in my estimation. So let me get to my bizarre story of the week, which is the spectacular start to the M- Major League Baseball season meaning specifically bizarre how they implemented these new rules and they just had an immediate and are having an immediate impact. We're only, uh, we're less than a week into the start of the season and the times of the games, which is really probably the most important change they've made long time coming. Theo Epstein, former GM of the Reds of the Red Sox. And of course the Cubs, the curse breaker, uh, is behind a lot of these changes, super smart guy to say the least. Um, and they're working the time of the game so far or over the weekend, at least, uh, were about a half an hour less than they've been traditionally or than they were last season. That is a massive number. I think many people would have been happy with, Minutes, just a, f- a few minutes less on average than they were last year. And instead, we're talking a half an hour. That is, again, a massive figure. And it's been that way through spring training as well. The other major, you know, another area of the game that they, uh, y- you know, that they tinkered with, stolen bases are up. Um, Tremendously, and stolen bases are just one of those things that, you know, really bring a lot of excitement to the game. 
I grew up, uh, you know, <laughs> I remember when Maury Wills, who was a base stealing king back in the day for the Dodgers, came to the Pirates, and I can rem- and his game was stealing bases. He was a great player in other ways to get on base, number one. But stealing bases was what everybody loved. Uh, I had the pleasure of growing up on it in the latter part of his career. He wasn't quite what he once was with the Dodgers, but he was good enough to get the people excited in the old Forbes field uh, where I got to see him play. And uh, it's just part of the game, you know, with Ricky Henderson, on and on and on. Um, When a base dealer gets on base, it just elevates the entire crowd and uh, just great to see it. Uh, the stolen bases are up. It's a very, very good sign. They, of course, did away with the shift. Uh, players in the field can no longer, you know, have three players in the in, uh, infield. And, you know, for instance, a second baseman playing halfway out in right field, like 10, 10 20 feet behind the infield for the shift where first baseman, second baseman, and shortstop are all to the right or on the second base first base uh, the first base side of the diamond and the only person on the left side because of uh, players hitting history i.e if it's a pool hitter from the left side uh you know and there's only one player on the between second and third and he's basically the third baseman who's playing the shortstop position so uh it had just pretty much gotten over the top and just had that air of frustration surrounding it. You know, great players were just hitting, you know, the ball super hard. David Ortiz, for instance, I've saw this a lot. David Ortiz would hit it hard to the right side of the infield and, you know, he'd get caught by the second baseman 20 feet behind, uh, you know, the infield, the dirt infield, and he would just throw him out, and that's that. That's not what people want to see. <laughs> people want to see the David Ortizes of the world and a million others. Uh, do their thing. Exactly what I talked about with the women's national championship game uh, from yesterday. Um, that's what people pay to see. Uh, sticking with baseball, I never had the chance to get really touch on the world baseball classic, which was a classic. It culminated with Shohei Otani, the story in all of in, in baseball across the world and certainly uh, during the World Baseball Classic and the final game, pitching, hitting, you name it. And then, uh, of course, now that he's with the Angels. But the game ended, the, the, the championship moment. The final batter was Mike Trout, Shohei's teammate with the California Angels or Los Angeles Angels, I think they're called now. Um, and Shohei struck him out on a uh, nasty pitch and it was just really the, the you can't make this stuff up the way everything unfolded to have those two in the final at bat of the game uh quite possibly the two best players in baseball certainly two of the best Shohei's the best period in my mind and many others and Mike Trout <laughs> you know MV multiple MVPs uh and to have those two face each other uh, was truly, truly magical. Uh, and Shohei gets the best. Japan team wins. 
and go, goes crazy. It means so much. And, uh, so it was just a terrific world baseball classic. There was one a number of years ago, world baseball classic occurring in Miami as these games did, uh, such an international city, perfect choice. And I was there in Miami when the world baseball classic was being pay- played and it was a massive deal. And we're going back a few years. Uh, I'm sure it wouldn't have compared with the, uh, you know, with the, f- the intense interest that was going on with this past one, which was just such a special, special tournament. Um, so MLB off and running, um, literally, uh, minutes away from Tropicana field and the Tampa Bay Rays, uh, had a great start to their season, sweeping the tigers over trop over at the trop. And, uh, and next week the schedule has, uh, the Red Sox come into town. I, of course, I've lived in Boston for years, and uh, so that's going to be fun with the Red Sox in town, and they bring a lot of Bostonians down to Florida who need a break from the winter. So that will be uh, a tremendous series. Red Sox themselves got off to a really good start, um, hitting-wise. <laughs> I think they scored nine runs in their first three each in their first three games. Uh, lost the opener to the Orioles, then won the next two. And, uh, so the Red Sox bats, they're, they're loud, um, so far and Red Sox raised already. Here we are, what, three, four games into the season and already, uh, you know, looking like it might, um, you know, might be something special even this early in the season and soon thereafter, uh, the Yanks are coming to town. Um, and that's always special too. Tons of New Yorkers down here. Uh, but the mood down here, the, the fandom, uh, Ray's kingdom is really, uh, fired up this year. They just, uh, you know, feeling that there were, this might be the Ray's year. Of course, they've been in the mix for the last number of years, went to the world series, during a COVID year out in San Francisco or excuse me, San Diego. And they, uh, you know, they didn't win it, but they, uh, you know, and, and that was the famous series where, uh, uh, during the COVID year where the Dodgers won it. And of course, Blake Snell was prematurely pulled from a game when he was pitching awesomely. And then the Dodgers cashed in and won it, but that's neither. That's that's history. Right now, uh, I've been around down here for a while, and I've never seen the interest so high. Big crowds, not always the case at the Trop, but certainly the case to start the season. No surprise, it is the beginning of the season when you know interest runs high, and the Rays have given uh, all indications that there's uh, it's going to stay that way. Uh, Rays have pitching. What else can you say? They, that's their focus. Uh, they just have a staff who all seems like they throw 98 miles an hour. as Kevin Cash has said in the past. Um, and they just can parade these pitchers out. They have a large staff and these guys are all good and experienced and they're money. Uh, they know how to pitch in big spots. So again, it, it's really, really fun to see 
the excitement down here in Tampa Bay for the Rays. I've never seen anything quite like it. Of course, we just finished spring training, uh, which is in and of itself fabulous down here. Four teams right here in the Tampa area that you can go see anytime you want. Blue Jays, Pirates, Yanks, and Phillies, uh, marquee teams. Uh, and so it's, uh, and speaking of the pirates, by the way, maybe not in a marquee team, but they used to be, um, they're a brand or they, again, they used to be they're they're, they're playing the Rays at some point fairly soon, I believe here in the trop. So there'll be some Pittsburgh fans coming down too. So it's going to be fun. Um, good to see baseball underway. Of course, NBA, NHL, the Bruins are just putting on a show, Boston Bruins. They're uh, lined up to have the most wins in hockey history. I think they have five games and they need to win two, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so that is something the Bears watching and the Celtics seem back on track and they're ready for the playoffs. Their blowout over the Bucks in Milwaukee last week was nothing short of stunning. At one point, they led by 49 points. Need I say more? I think the Celtics are ready. That could be a great series. It seems destined to occur as well, unless the Sixers have something to say about it. So, uh, great show. Great way to start it off with A.P. Stedham uh, calling in live from the Final Four in Houston. Uh, And great to cover all the topics. And Everyone enjoy the national championship game tonight between UConn and San Diego State. And as always, thank you all for listening to All Around Sports. And we look forward to doing it all again next Monday at noon Eastern time. Thanks again for tuning into All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Be sure to tune in again next Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific time, 12 noon Eastern time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a terrific weekend, and we'll talk sports again next week.